Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to a Wednesday hump day edition on week one of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you. We'll bring in Michael Remus in a minute, and holy smokes, do we have a packed show. Um, It takes a lot to get a big win like last night's Jets victory to kick off their three-game series against the Toronto Maple Leafs off the top line of the docket. Um, But the news regarding the CFL-XFL discussions and what that means, I think, is captivating sports fans, certainly here in Winnipeg and around the country. Um, Lucky for us, we've got time to do both. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes. And then at the bottom of the hour, 1.30, live on YouTube, if you're with us in the chat right now, Dave Naylor, who broke the news (laughs) earlier today on these discussions that are taking place between the CFL and the XFL and what that means. It is the Players' Championship tee-off tomorrow with TPC Sawgrass, 10-2, Ryan Hart, Winnipeg native, tournament director for the PGA Tour's biggest event of the year, and the guy that will be in charge of putting on the President's Cup in Montreal in a few years will join us as well. Um, But with all of that, we, uh, of course, thank our sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza Winnipeg, Royal Sports, and the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. We'll uh, touch on uh, what they're doing a little bit later on. But right now, let's get right to it. Bring in Michael Remus to begin the program with so much to talk about. Remo, um, as I said, just in the open, Kind of pretty sure we were going to spend 90% of today's show talking about the Winnipeg Jets and that big win last night in Toronto. But before we get to that, um, this bombshell from Dave Naylor today has a lot of people wondering what this means for the future of the Canadian Football League, the future of three-down football, and from a short-term perspective what this means for a hopeful 2021 CFL season. Yeah, that's it was... Very, very, you know, shocking to see the tweet from Dave Naylor. You're kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? The CFL and the XFL? From what I read from the report, it just seems like they're engaging in discussions. They're trying to collaborate. Can they help each other to further their own business? We know CFL didn't have a season last year. I know their financial situation, as we've heard from Randy Ambrosi, isn't great. Is this something where they can work together and where one head is better than then too, we know XFL has The Rock, who's come on uh, as a partner in it, and you know anything The Rock is probably going to be, you know, widely covered by the media, uh, widely successful. So I'm kind of taking a, a wait and see approach before I react. But I think anything that brings more attention to the CFL is good. But what does it mean for the rules or, or three down football or, or the wide field? You know anything? Uh, I don't think you can really say. But maybe Dave can shed some light on on things at 1:30. Absolutely. So here was the initial tweet um, from Nails about three hours ago. The CFL and XFL about to announce entering formal talks to explore opportunities. Yes, this is big news. Follow that up with an XFL announcement that the league has hit pause on its plans for the 2022 season pending results of its formal talk with the CFL. Of course, the XFL would be playing right now. Um, Their schedule before having to shut down due to the pandemic was uh, a season starting pretty much right after the Super Bowl. Now, he's had a bunch more. There will be loads of speculation about what this means for the CFL. Is this about XFL and CFL teams play each other? My gut tells me it is. Then there are two big questions. When is the schedule and what are the rules? 
follows it up with, if you put me on the spot and asked, will we see XFL and CFL teams playing each other as soon as 2022? My answer is yes. And that is just the speculation of someone who's seen it all. I mean, this comes down to a couple of things. Um, the Canadian Football League, with its 100 years of history, has survived. Um, there's been some very, very tough times. They've been bailed out at times before. But the global pandemic and what everyone is dealing with right now is, is a whole nother ball game. I think, from anything that we've seen. I mean, teams have been in trouble before. But, I mean, now we've heard that, you know, the, the red ink in the community-owned teams, which overall have been the most successful CFL teams, are in really bad spots. What does this mean for the private teams? And, of course, they didn't have a season last year because there wasn't the money to do it. So, I mean, finances are a big part of it. To me, this is really, I think, something that's more about survival for the Canadian Football League. So, looking forward to talking about that with Dave. One thirty. if you're watching with us live on YouTube right now, Dave will come up with that. Um, And then in just a couple minutes... We'll bring in Mike McIntyre. And, of course, Reem will be talking about that big win last night. Um, <laughs> you know, I went on the lock shop yesterday. We took the Jets off the suspended list. And if you're wondering about that, you know, it was a uh, – I backed them publicly the first time I went and got my home team out on the lock shop as a winner against Vancouver in that ugly Saturday night game earlier in February – and I said, even though I probably would be putting some sprinkles on the Jets, I was not putting them out for any more picks. They were on the suspended list. Well, they came off the start of March. I was waiting for the spot to get the Jets at. We mentioned the odds, especially against a team like Toronto. There was going to be value on the Winnipeg Jets. And um, listen, this was uh, a, a game where Toronto carried the play. Certainly, I'd say for the majority of times, they had way more high-danger scoring chances. But Connor Hellebuck... Um, Mason Appleton talked about it after the game, Reem. When a guy like that gets pulled and has a game like he does on Saturday, you know exactly what you're going to get coming in the next game. And what we got was Vezina-level goaltending, which helped the Jets get a huge two points and a regulation win in the first of three in Toronto against the first-place Leafs. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck, I, I mean, he's unbelievable. If he can see the puck, he should be able to stop it. Yeah, I just the one save that sticks out to me is that pad save on, on Marner, all in front. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that good? I mean, you need those type of saves. I know we've said this all year, but that was that was the win that we've seen the Jets have this whole season. I mean, they get outshot. Uh, Hellbuck makes some amazing saves, and they are elite scorers. Uh, you know, cut, pick up uh, some big goals. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, his play behind the net, that pass to Kyle Connor, going around, stopping, and finding Connor. That is a, an elite. Elite pass, um, Neil Pionk. You know, no one's talking about him. Not even getting first power play minutes. Uh, three points. Yesterday. I'm talking about him yeah. not getting first power play minutes. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> like Neil Pionk has been. Um, you know, there's a number of guys that have stepped up, and Mason Appleton is one of them. Yeah. But Pionk, you know, sort of quietly going about his business with a three point night. Um, you know, man, he makes things happen. And you know, while Josh Morrissey it was great to see Josh. You know, get a little assist from uh, the hacky sack skills of Austin Matthews um, getting his first goal of the season. Offensively, at least, Neil Pionk has certainly been the guy on the blue line that has been making it happen this year. And, um, you know, it makes me laugh as to all the hot takes that came immediately after the yeah, Trouba trade. Right here. Because when, <laughs> when you look at it now, Neil Pionk has been, uh, you know, a massive part of this Jet blue line. And, of course, everyone 
waiting to see when Vili Hanel might get into the lineup in his bright future going forward. There will be a change on the defense. Because Nate Beaulieu is out, and he'll be out for a number of weeks after blocking a shot last night on his hand. So we'll get to that with Mike McIntyre coming up a little bit later on. But let me ask you this, and folks, in the chat, if you watched the game last night, what was more impressive? Nikolai Ehlers thread the needle pass to Kyle Connor for Connor's goal, or Mason Appleton crushing the net for the game winner last night, an absolute Ooh. beauty. Um, I can make an argument for both. Would like to hear what people think in the chat. What did you think, Remus? What was more yeah. impressive, the Ealers pass or Mason Appleton taking it to the blue paint? They both made you go, whoa, the Ealers pass again. Just the way that he stopped and found Connor so quickly and it ended up in back of the net. I think I'm going to have to go with the Appleton. It was a big moment, a big goal. The guy is selling out his body. I mean, when you're... Uh, falling into the corner after the goal, you know it must have been a nice one. Um, the hard, you know, tight turn in front of uh, Freddie Anderson to tuck it in. Uh, I, it was just a beautiful play. So I'm going to say Appleton, but nothing to take away from uh, Nikolai Ehlers. And I said yesterday, I, uh, we did our cool bet picks. I said Ehlers to score. I like the pick. He didn't score, but he had two assists. So uh, I'll take a, take a push on that one. He had a great game. And just again on that Appleton goal, the Andrew Kopp, a uh, little sauce pass before that uh, was was very good. Um, so so that was uh, that was awesome. So let's see what has well, to see what the chat has to say about that. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, and you know what? Just by the way, Mike just texted. Fire him that link again. Yeah, I just got uh, it. he's just looking to get in. Um, well, the chat is saying they <laughs> Appleton Ealers pass. We got an Appleton, Appleton, Appleton. I was surprised that the Apple emoji can an emoji trend. On Twitter, because there was a lot of apples going out last night. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the people right now are voting for Mason Appleton. And I will say this. Allow me to give myself a little bit of the Barry Horowitz treatment here. Because um, it was, uh, last year, I was, uh, I, I was adamant Mason Appleton needed a little bit more opportunity, a little bit more chance to get into the lineup and show what he can do other than spot minutes on the fourth line. And I'll tell you what, that is exactly what he's doing right now. And, man, that combination he's got going with Adam Lowry and back with Andrew Kopp has been uh, has been something else. Um, it looks like we've got Mike, so uh, we'll, we'll bring in Mike in just a second. Um, but, folks, by the way, <clears throat> while we get you mentioning Nikolai Ehlers and Appleton in the chat, do us a favor, if you would, just hit that like button. Helps out big time for us as we try to get all this going. And um, before we bring in Mike, want to thank our sponsors, not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGilvery. First uh, group of guys on. Big thanks to Trevor Knott. Why not get into the VLK for your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knott team? And if you're looking to maybe get out of a lease or move on from another car, they've got an incredible consignment program. They'll help you do that as well. Find out more. See the Knott team at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at Knott.ca. And... Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, 650 Rally. The Royal Boys have been with us since day one of this ride, and we can't thank them enough. And, of course, hockey's back. Rinks are opening right now. Royal's your number one hockey superstore in town. And spring, it is feeling a little bit like spring right now. Bikes, soccer, baseball, we're going to get outside. We're going to get out of our homes. Get down to Royal Sports and get yourself suited up. Um, All right. I think we've got Mike McIntyre ready to go. So, Reem, if you can, let's bring in the Winnipeg Jets beat reporter 
from the Winnipeg Free Press and get going with a little bit of Jets talk after the Jets go in and win 4-3 last night in Toronto, taking on the Maple Leafs in the first of three games. Um, We've got Mike in yet? Yeah, Mike's here, but... Here, Mike, un- unmute, your- Mike. unmute yourself. Oh, yeah. We got to un- un- mute, un- unmute Mike's mic. Can that work? Um, yeah, Mike, let's just get you unmuted. There we go. There we go. There it goes. Yeah, those uh, those thick fingers on the iPhone. Oh, geez. <laughs> a live shot from the, uh, from the car right now, Mike. Great to see you. Um, Mike, hey, you listen, before we get to the Jets... Um, and lots to lots to unpack from last night's game. Uh, what was your first reaction when you heard Dave Naylor's report today about these uh, talks between the CFL and the XFL? Uh, I get the first thing I thought was desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah, absolutely, Huss. And I mean, if you're the CFL, really, can you afford at this point to be choosy, to be picky as to maybe who you're doing business with? They're coming off. Uh, a lost season. We don't know what this this upcoming season might look like financially and otherwise. So uh, I think it's a smart move to at least uh, broaden your you know horizons. <clears throat> I don't think anybody wants to see a repeat of the CFL. You know, uh, expanding uh, its its footprint into the U.S. in terms of of teams and and style of play or anything. You know, we've we've kind of been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Uh, but if it does open up the doors for perhaps more partnerships, more marketing opportunity, maybe players maybe playing in both leagues, right? A year-round kind of thing if if the XFL runs as opposed to at the same time as the CFL in competition with. If they can become a, a good business partner, obviously there's some big names. You know, doesn't get much bigger than The Rock. Uh, <laughs> CFL uh, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think if you're the CFL, I, I'd like to hear more, of course, about what this might entail. But uh, my first reaction, certainly surprise, this sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, but it does make some sense that a league like the CFL, uh, which no doubt is hurting right now, uh, would look to maybe uh, see if they could take on some other ventures, some other business partners. Well, no doubt, Mike. And I mean, just. You know, we know how where the Bombers were at. I mean, business-wise, they were on a you know a nice upward trend. They win the Grey Cup in 2019, and I would probably argue the you know the franchise, the the, the flagship franchise right now in the Canadian right. Football League. And we know the challenges that they are in. If that's where the Bombers are at, what does that mean for the rest of the league? And I mean, to me, um, and we'll get more details from Dave, and in the days and weeks to come, for what this means for football. Um, here in Canada, the three-down game, the rules, all that. But I think it's pretty clear that you know going down this route shows that um, these are very desperate times right now. And I think that you know Randy Ambrosi and everybody within the Canadian Football League is looking at every available option to to survive through this and come out on the other side. Yeah, the old expression uh, "beggars can't be choosers" comes to mind, and the CFL. I mean, they literally were beggars last year, right? They were going, uh, they were going up to uh, to Ottawa, uh, you know, hat in hand, trying to get uh, a handout uh, so that they could potentially, um, you know, have a season. And we know that that didn't work out. And obviously, the CFL uh, didn't have last season. I don't think they can afford to have another lost season this year. There's good news, certainly on the vaccine front, and the hope is uh, that they're trending in the right direction to maybe have fans. 
but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting opportunity. I'll say that uh, future president, the rock, maybe as CFL uh, assistant commissioner or something, uh, lots of possibilities. Yeah. Well, as I said, we'll spend more time on this with time on this with nails coming up at the bottom of the hour, but um, let's get to the game last night. Um, you know, death taxes and Connor Hellebuck being brilliant <laughs> after a p- bad game. We saw that in spades last night. And, you know, listen, uh, my takeaways from this game were the Leafs are a problem. I mean, this is a very, very good and very dangerous hockey team. But I think a lot of people are probably saying the same thing about the Winnipeg Jets for the way they made the most of their opportunities. And with the game on the line, let the guy that you know won the Vesna Trophy show why he did it. And um, man, full marks to the Jets for getting that win against a tough team in a tough spot with a, you know, a host team that had already lost two in a row that wasn't too pleased about making it. Yeah, imagine how angry the Leafs are going to be tomorrow because I think they they sort of feel hus like they've played three decent games in a row here and they've lost all three of them. And you know, you look at some of the underlying numbers last night. The Jets should have got routed probably twenty uh, twenty four to six. When you see high danger chances that are that lopsided, um, you know you really suspect that uh, that that should be a route for the team that had twenty four. Uh, but we know they only beat Connor Hellebuck three times, and one of those was with the goalie pulled in the last couple minutes. Connor Hellebuck is absolutely dialed in, uh, and we know that after a loss, that is kind of his bread and butter. But I'd say Huss, it goes to this whole Jets team, right? 7-0-1 now this year after a regulation loss. Like, that is some real resiliency. Uh, and they don't ask how, they just ask how many. Well, this Jets team has found a way uh, just as they found a way, and this is a remarkable stat as well in my eyes, that they're now 7-4 and four when they're trailing after the first period. Like, that just tells you that it doesn't matter necessarily how the first 20 minutes go. This is a Jets team that has a lot of confidence. They go about doing things maybe in an unconventional way, uh, but with the high-end finishers they have on this team, and we saw that certainly with the, the Kyle Connor goal uh, that, that put the Jets ahead for good last night, they don't need a lot of time and space to make things happen. And when you combine that with a Vesna trophy winner, Annette, it makes the Jets a tough out. Now, Mike, now, Mike, I, I asked the people that are with us in the, in the chat, by the way, man, unbelievable. Thanks to everyone that's out there. We're well over 400 again right now live. This is the response has been amazing. What was better? The Ehlers thread the needle pass or Mason Appleton's game winning goal last night? Well, I love Mason Appleton's uh, goal, and I've loved really everything about his play as of late and really this whole season, Andrew. I mean, I I remarked on Twitter last night, and I absolutely feel this way, that watching Mason Appleton, the way he, he cut to the net, the way he protected the puck, and the way he scored, it reminded me of sort of vintage Blake Wheeler uh, from you know a few seasons ago, Blake Wheeler doesn't really do that anymore. He doesn't necessarily have the motor, uh, you know. Now that he's he's getting up there in age, that's not the modern day Blake Wheeler. But there was a time, Jets fans no doubt remember, where Blake Wheeler kind of you know bum rushing the net like that with reckless abandon, coming down the wing and and making life miserable for goalies. That was a regular event, and to see Mason Appleton do that. And that last wasn't the first time he's done that. He's now scored a couple times like that. He's created a lot of chaos. And I think that's a great sign. This is a very confident player. 
Uh, and it's created a good problem for the Winnipeg Jets, which I know you were sort of touching upon with the upcoming expansion draft and the idea that they're going to lose a player. I suspect they now have to find a way to protect Mason Appleton because uh, the hockey world is noticing him and that would uh, that would go for the Seattle Kraken, I suspect, as well. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, just quickly on Wheeler. Um, a lot of talk about his start to the season. And, you know, if you look back at history, Blake Wheeler was never a guy that was, you know, a quintessential strong starter. I mean, there were times where it took a little while to get going, especially earlier on in his career. But a lot was made of it. We had the fiery defense of the captain from the head coach. And Wheeler, to his credit, said, listen, if I'm out there, assume that I'm 100%. But it was quite apparent. And you heard from a number of people that this wasn't a captain at 100%. Um, I've been, I've really been impressed with Wheeler over the course of the past, I mean, really the last two, three weeks, but I think you probably go back a month and I think that has been just, well, where are you at with the captain and how he's come back from obviously playing through some issues earlier on in this campaign? Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I don't know if it was just a pride thing, Huss, or what it was, why he wouldn't sort of concede that he was injured. Um, but. Uh, he didn't want to say anything, and and you know he 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 clearly was not at 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 full health. You could see just by the length of his shifts, like the fact that he was he was getting off the ice so quick, uh, you know, twenty five second shifts. I suspect it might have been something rib related that it was maybe impacting his breathing, and and so he didn't really have the wind to really. Uh, to, to have long shifts. He didn't have the explosive bursts of speed. Um, and I think we've seen that return, right? Blake Wheeler looks a lot quicker. One thing about Blake Wheeler that you know is, I think it's going to be the last thing to go with him is his hands. He's still a, a, an elite passer. And, you know, we've seen him make some real nice dishes, whether it's on the power play or more so now at five on five, where he was rig- really struggling to start the year. But for sure, I mean, playing on that line now, and I think Paul Stasny is a real nice compliment uh, to Mark Shifley. You've got, you know, two veteran guys in Wheeler and Stasny now with your number one center. And I think in some ways, maybe that takes some of the pressure off the line of Dubois, Ehlers, and Connor. And it also allows your third line to thrive with Lowry, Appleton, and Kopp. Uh, So I, I like the mix of the forward lines, but it does start with the captain having a healthy Blake Wheeler has been a real big difference maker for the Jets. And, you know, you, you look, he's still putting up the points, right? He's still almost a point-of-game player uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, which is quite something. No doubt about that. Now, Mike, um, we'll get back to the, the the Leaf series and look ahead to Game 2 in a minute. Um, Neil Pionk, another strong game last night. It was great to see Josh Morrissey finally get rewarded. He's sort of been a bit of a hard luck story so far this year. Uh, before we talk about the Bolio injury, um, and what that means for the Jets going into game number two. Just wanted to ask you about Pionk's season so far. We're getting to the midway point of the campaign. Where does Neil Pionk fit in amongst your Winnipeg Jets midway point through the season as team MVP? Oh, he's for sure in the conversation. Uh, I mean, I think the, the, um, the conversation probably starts with Connor Hellebuck, but he's making a strong case. I mean, I'll tell you one thing where he ranks Huss. He ranks fourth in the NHL among defensemen in scoring right now. There are only three blue liners in the league that have more points than Neil Pionk. And who would have thought that, you know, when when people were literally saying who, when the Jets traded uh, Jacob Truba, um, you know, for an undrafted guy that I don't think many people in this market or other markets really had heard of, 
what a revelation he's been. Um, and, you know, where would the Jets be without him? Uh, without a doubt, in my mind, he's been the Jets' best defenseman. You know, Josh Morrissey has had his early season struggles. I think Josh Morrissey had a real nice game yesterday, and and it came at a good time with the Jets, you know, needing everybody to step up once Nathan Bolia went down. But for sure, Neil Pionk is, um, is, is a guy that has really held that back end you know, along with Derek Forbert, uh, I don't think anybody envisioned that that would have been the Jets' number one pair this year, but it really is. It's the number one shutdown pair, and Neil Pionk is their number one offensive defenseman as well. And, uh, you know, carrying big minutes, big responsibility, uh, just huge strides that he's made um, seasons, really. And, you know, I would argue that it's it's between him and Mason Appleton for my most improved Jet. Uh, but Neil Pionk had a really nice season last year. Um, so, you know, I, I almost hesitate to say that he's made another massive improvement, but it does feel like he really has. Uh, and Mason Appleton, who we just talked about, of course, already set career highs in goals, assists, and points. So, uh, you know, for the Jets team that we knew was pretty deep at forward, uh, having Neil Pionk kind of thrown into that mix has been a, a, real, uh, a real big addition. Um, Mike McIntyre with us from the Winnipeg Free Press here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, we mentioned the blue line. There will be a change on the blue line. Nate Beaulieu's yeah. out for a number of weeks after blocking a shot last night in the hand. Um, uh, who's coming in, do you think? Uh, will it be Sammy Niku? Will it be Logan? So I think Paul Maurice probably gave us a bit of a hint today, Huss, in that he said whoever, he didn't say who's coming in, but he said whoever it is is probably going to ask to be kill, to kill some penalties. Um, so to me, that's probably Logan Stanley, right? I don't think you're bringing Sammy Niku in to put him on the penalty kill. Um, and you know, the other thing you're losing with Bolio, you're, you're losing, not that he's a, a really big guy, but you're lo- losing some physicality with Nathan Bolio. Um, you know, Logan Stanley's not going to blow anybody's doors off with, with body checks or anything like that, but he is a, a physical presence, obviously with his, his size, uh, so I think it's probably Logan Stanley that would come off the taxi squad, um, which is an easy move to make. Bolio is going to go on injured reserve, so you clear up a roster spot. Uh, to me, that probably is the first move. Um, but, I mean, Sammy Niku, who I didn't think showed well at all early in the season in his first three games, I thought he had a real nice showing of himself, though, in his most recent uh, audition, if you will. And so I don't think Sammy Niku necessarily played his way out of this lineup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe we see them both at some point here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Bolio, uh, I tried to get Paul Maurice kind of narrow down when he says weeks. How many are we talking? Uh, he did reveal uh, at the end of our chat today that it's probably more than one or two, but probably less than four to six. Uh, so make of that what you will, three, four, I guess. Um, in any event, the Jets are probably going to need both Stanley and Niku, and maybe even more than that uh, at some point here. Point here. Well, there's certainly a big opportunity for whoever gets into the lineup, and you know we knew as long as you know there was nobody getting hurt, they were probably and they were winning games. They probably weren't going to change things up, uh, but it was bound to happen at some point. And whether it's Stanley or Niku be a big challenge going in against the Leafs on Thursday night. I imagine the host will be if, even in a more ornery. Uh, ornery. ornery. It's yeah. amazing. First time since Keith took over the team in November of 19 that they'd lost three in a row in regulation. It really speaks to their consistency as well. Uh, and, you know, they're a deep team. We knew that. 
Um, you know, they look dangerous, especially on the power play. It would behoove the Jets not to give them a whole lot of looks uh, on the power play here going forward uh, because they are absolutely deadly number one power play in the league. And the Jets penalty kill, losing a guy like Nate Bolio, um, you know, who blocks a lot of shots, obviously, adds some physical element. You know, you wonder what what's that going to do to the penalty kill? I suspect a guy like Tucker Pullman plays a little more now on the kill. But, yeah, I mean, the, for the Jets, a great win, right? I mean, no matter how you how they did it, the fact is they took two points against a Toronto team. Uh, and, you know, they got a chance to really do some damage here this week. Eight games left against the Leafs, two more this week. I mean, the Jets, this was starting to look like Toronto was just going to lap the field. Uh, if the Jets could uh, could have another, you know, couple good showings here, guys, uh, there's the potential that the Jets could turn this into a, a two-horse race uh, for the number one spot here as we enter the second half of the season. I'll tell you what, can't wait, what, can't wait for the game tomorrow night and can't wait to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Mike. Great to have you here for the first time. And uh, by the way, you're looking great, my friend. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, all this uh, all this fresh air and uh, getting outside doing my daily walks has uh, has been uh, has been a blessing for sure. And uh, have to have you back. Uh, Winnipeg needs you. Winnipeg deserves you. And and uh, so glad that uh, that you've started this venture. Uh, all the support in the world and love talking to you. Well, hey, thanks, pal. We'll do it again very soon. Really appreciate it. There's Mike McIntyre. You can read the full recap of last night's action in the first of three between the Jets and the Maple Leafs at winnipegfreepress.com and, of course, at the Winnipeg Free Press site. Now, folks, we are going to hopefully get Dave Naylor in here in just a couple minutes. And Nails, of course, broke the news that I think everyone is talking about today, that the CFL and the XFL have announced formal discussions now what that means i mean some people will say that you know the end game for this is is a merger between these two leagues i mean a league where you've got teams on both sides of the border marketing together using the history of the canadian football league the marketing power of the xfl um getting a you know a big tv deal and i will say this the potential in today's um in 2021 or 2022 of doing this with the explosion of sports gambling and wagering in the United States is significant. Football is by far the number one betting sport um, in North America. The NFL ends and, you know, the Super Bowl is played. And then, you know, the XFL last year, you know, had really got off to a pretty good start. Now, you know, there was the law of diminishing returns. There was, um, you know, a loss of, you know, some of the viewership, but some of the teams were starting, particularly in St. Louis and in D.C., uh, Seattle as well, starting to get, you know, a pretty good fan bases and get something going. And then, of course, they had to deep six the whole season when um, their timing was poor. <laughs> they were playing right when COVID-19 started to uh, really wreak havoc on uh, on our society. So um, you get the Rock in there involved, who's now the owner of the XFL, and I think there is a huge potential. I know a lot of people are concerned what that means for the rules, the Canadian nature of the game, but as I mentioned with Mike off the top, I mean, to me, this really does seem like um, in some ways it is, um, th- this is survival for the Canadian Football League. And as a football fan, I mean, best case scenario, the Canadian Football League is, you know, gets a 10th team and everyone's making money and the stands are full but unfortunately, that isn't reality. And it hasn't been reality for a very long time. And then when you add in what this pandemic has done 
to the bottom line, the ability just to operate. Um, it doesn't surprise me that the CFL is looking for other options um, to get going. And, you know, would it be a shame to not have three downs uh, to change the field? It would, but that's nothing compared to losing the Canadian Football League. So as a football fan and someone that eats it all up, um, you know, I would prefer it not to go that way. But if that does happen, I think I would support it because I know that this is, I mean, we're going down this road um, was not choice number one, but it could be the salvation for the Canadian Football League. So we'll be looking forward to getting a Dave Naylor on that right away. Um, it, we want to thank, we said not Autocorp, we should think Boston Pizza City Place. And by the way, right now, this is a perfect time to do this while we get Dave in. Um, for everybody that's watching on YouTube in the chat, uh, if you could give us a like, that would be nice. And if you could um, toss your Twitter handle into the comment section. And uh, our friends at Boston Pizza have a game day meal ready for you. A large pizza and some wings. The 24-pack, three orders in one. I think you can mix up the flavors. Uh, you can order those online. Maybe get ready for some action tonight uh, or, of course, tomorrow's game. But we will get you all uh, hooked up, somebody from the chat. And I'll tell you what we'll, we'll also do is get a um, a DQ cake from our friends at the Nikki Nikki DQ group, uh, Nick Hajidiakow. He popped by today, actually, and we're set uh, here at Winnipeg Sports Talk for the next little while. Um, we are we are in a position where we're going to be able to give away some ice cream and quite a bit of it. So um, again, hit your uh, hit your Twitter feed, uh, your Twitter handles into the chat, and uh, we've got the game day pack from Boston Pizza. We'll get a DQ cake out from Nick and Nicky. And of course, support them, pop by their stores, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, the DQ out in Niverville, Manitoba, and they've just taken over the DQ on St. Anne's. It is not normally on right now. Uh, it open right now, but now it is because Nick's taken over and they're getting after it. So um, we're going to change things up a little bit. Nails is busy. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes right now. So we're going to get Ryan Hart coming in from the Players' Championship, sort of switching it up. Um, he, of course, out at TPC Sawgrass. And I mean, if you've been a longtime listener, you've heard Ryan join us in the past. I've known Ryan for a long time. He used to you know, hustle beer here in town, then had a marketing company, got in, uh, got involved, um, you know, with sort of at first promoting and then running the Players' Cup here in Winnipeg. And it was out at the uh, out at the Ridge was a big part in growing that tournament and, of course, bring it back to the city with the move going back and forth between the Ridge and Niaqua. Um, of course, they've been to Southwood as well. Um, it has just turned into a great event. But I think a lot of people took notice of Ryan. He ended up moving on to work for the PGA Tour, and he is now the tournament director for the Players' Championship, which, as far as the PGA Tour goes, is the biggest event of the year. Uh, you've got the four majors. Those are all, you know, run by, you know, the USGA is the US Open. You know, Masters is done by Augusta National, the British Open and whatnot, PGA of America. The PGA Tour, this is the weekend, the famed TPC Sawgrass. So Ryan's going to join us in just a couple minutes for that. So um, great. We're getting a lot of uh, your, your handles in there. So uh, at the end of the show or later on, we'll announce who's winning our Boston pizza game day pack, as well as the DQ cake. And I talked to Nick. Nick is all fired up. I think we might be able to crank out a Jets DQ cake uh, maybe every game day going forward. So um, and by the way, just while we uh, get ready to bring Ryan on, um, 
you're all of you. If you're on the YouTube right now, you're probably already subscribed. Thank you for that. If you're checking out the podcast, you can watch the show, check out the feed, uh, the comments, the feedback from everybody. Um, so definitely get on that. And we've got our social media um, channels all going at Sports Talk Winnipeg, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, right here on YouTube. Um, yeah, Darren Bauman giving a shout out. Great to have DB in the chat. Hedge is the man. Nikki's the woman. They are certainly great. And uh, oh, we're seeing just a whole bunch of the beauties. Windog is here. Gitch Lishka's here. Goldeye's general manager himself. Andrew Collier's here right now. Oh, my buddy Isha Boy Bruce. D David Lowe. Oh, man, great to see everybody hanging out with us here uh, live on YouTube for Winnipeg Sports <laughs> Talk daily um all right let's get to it i think we've got ryan hart the tournament director of the players championship joining me from tpc sawgrass <laughs> ryan it is so great to have you on the program um how are you doing and uh, what a what a difference a year makes uh, we had a conversation last year you're all excited i think the chain smokers are having a big party <laughs> you were teeing off on thursday and then it all stopped what a crazy year it's been how are things right now as you guys get back to business Hey, Hess, thanks for having me. And first and foremost, congrats on this new venture. It's so great to have you guys back on the airwaves and, and truly appreciate the continued support of, uh, of golf and, and all sports in Winnipeg. But it has been a crazy year. I was just looking at my calendar, actually, and it was actually about two hours different from this call last year. And uh, it, it has been a wild ride, but we've got fans back on site this year. And, uh, you know, we're easing our way into competition starting tomorrow. And it's been great. You know what, I, I just, uh, you know, we're focused on right now, but now that we are a year later, um, it, it see everything about that. I mean, I'll never forget the conversation we had. And I mean, you know me, a huge golf guy, we've been making our picks and we we're all ready to go for mm -hmm. round number one. And then yeah. it really did seem like over the course of about 48 hours, the world changed. Um, certainly, I mean, golf of all of the professional sports because of the nature of the game, I think had a bit of an advantage to get back out there. But um, from your perspective, just uh, what's it like you know, navigating all of these waters and how excited are you and everybody involved with the tournament to get back to seeing the world's best do what they do tomorrow? Uh, there's there's definitely a vibe here uh, this week that is that's unbelievable. Huss. I think, you know, someone said, you know, we kind of felt incomplete last year. I mean, obviously the, the right things were done, but you listen to some of the players this week and, and, you know, to be back there, you know, I think when people came on site, there was, you know, it brought back a lot of memories from last year because there was definitely so much uncertainty, but the golf course is an unbelievable condition. Once the guys get out there inside the ropes and, you know, like I said, we've got 20% of our normal footprint footprint of out here and, you know, they're buzzing around today and it's just, uh, it's truly an amazing feeling to see it. I mean, it looks different. It feels different. Everybody's got to wear a mask and, you know, lineups are, we've created a contactless experience through concessions and bars and things of that nature. The merchandise shop, all of our venues are open air this year. So it has a little bit of a different feel, but the golf course is showing better than it ever has. Uh, I've never heard the, the superintendent glow as much as he is. And, uh, the players backed it up yesterday. We had about three or four virtual sessions we were doing with players and sponsors and to a T they were all raving about the condition of the golf course. Of course. Well, that is great. From a, from an operations perspective, from a guy that's got a, a list about a mile long of things that need to happen for a tournament. Can you speak to, 
um, just everything that's gone into making this possible to have even 20% of fans. Um, at what went into planning for this event as opposed to any other event you'd done pre-pandemic? Well, honey, as you know, I had the, the opportunity to be involved in the TaylorMade event, which is our our first sort of live golf event back at Seminole back in May. And really, a lot of the things that we tested with 50 people then we're, we're using today, um, at just a much larger scale. Um, really, I mean, though, up until late fall, we didn't know if we were going to have fans back. So we were really running parallel paths. I mean, you were running, is it going to be 10%? Is it going to be 20%? Is it going to be zero? So I think the biggest challenge was until we said go, on a number it was running the three scenarios all the way through but you know the team down here is unbelievable um the, a lot of experience on this team and and on the property it's definitely a benefit i'll say of of being at our global home uh with this event so there's a ton of support uh but I, like i said i think the big the biggest challenge is the multiple scenarios but we've been back live now since you know mid-june at Charles Schwab at Colonial. So the, the process that we go through, that the players go through, you know, they get tested before they're even allowed on site. They can't come on site until they get their results. And, you know, you're, you're wristbanded at that point. And then there's sort of our version of, of the bubble, if you will, um, that that's created. And, you know, it's, it's, it's odd to say, but it's, it's normal life for them and for what they're doing. So um, it's, it's been a, a I don't want to say a seamless experience, but since I go back to May at Seminole, um, we've just taken what we learned and, and continue to grow on it. On it, Players Championship Tournament Director Ryan Hart, Winnipeg native, joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from TPC Sawgrass. Uh, I, you know, you mentioned getting kind of back to quote-unquote normal. Um, you know, all the players, I'm sure, have handled everything in different ways. I mean, I know you're seeing and, you know, talking to many of them this week heading in. How are the players, uh, like, where's that level of excitement to get back to this signature event for the PGA Tour? Um, and just the fact that there's even 20,000 fans, uh, 20% fans there. Um, how are they reacting to that? And what's the buzz around the golf course before tee off tomorrow morning? Well, I think as we've seen them sort of slowly come back in the last few weeks, I mean, even watching the telecast at Arnold Palmer last week, you know, when Bryson hit that drive over the water on number six there and you heard the fans, I mean, the guys are hyped about it. I mean, we did some virtual interviews yesterday because all of our press conferences are virtual and, you know, they're just talking about the energy it brings. I mean, Justin Thomas talked about it specifically in his yesterday where you get an energy from that environment. And, and I think as much as we only have 20, 20 percent on site the stadium featuring the 16th and the iconic 17th hole this this year you're it's going to be loud i mean things are going to bounce off the structures and even though it is that'll be significantly smaller than previous year previous years to what we normally sort of cram into that area but it will be louder than we think and i think the guys are excited jordan spieth was doing an interview with another outlet on the 17th tee this morning and and there was people it was about i think it was 7 30 this morning and there was people wandering around and and, and talking to Mike Tarico, he was just, he was like, look at this. I'm going to hit a shot that means nothing right now. And these people are going to cheer like that is that's exciting for them. And it, it just creates a level of, of atmosphere and excitement that, you know, I think we're all missing in sport. You know, I mean, I'm as big of a hockey fan as, as, as anyone. And, you know, watching the games is awesome and so happy that it's back. But when we can get fans back into all of our arenas, I think, you know, we'll all see the 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 arrow going in the right direction. Well, it's funny you say it. I mean, I've kind of maintained for a long time that there's been a a um, progression in pro sports as the money's gotten bigger over the last 20 years to, in some cases, not all, 
um, sometimes take the fans for granted. And I think the, the, the customers at, across the board, it doesn't matter what you're involved in with what we've been through through COVID-19, the, the value of what fans bring outside of just paying the money to buy the ticket has been seen in, in pretty much all of the sports. And man, it'll be great to see people back at Sawgrass seeing uh, the world's best do what they do at one of the most famous courses on the planet. Um, Ryan, there was an interesting announcement yesterday by the uh, by the tournament, um, changing things up a little bit. Everyone saw what Bryson DeChambeau did last week in his win at the Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill, and mm-hmm. the way that his new power has, you know, kind of changed golf courses. Tell us a little bit about the announcement yesterday about a new out of bounds um, area and. What goes into a decision like that? Who sort of makes that? And, uh, I mean, a lot of people are thinking this is a Bryson rule, but um, is there a bunch of other guys that are trying to take uh, new routes, shall we say, maybe away from the way course designers intended these golf courses to be played? Yeah, there definitely was a buzz about it. I think that our uh, the head of our rules committee was the first thing up on Golf Channel last night. So that's, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's something that we want to make practice of. But, um, you know, I think, and, and timing is everything too. You know, you look at what Bryson did last week, and as exciting as that was, you know, I think Rory was right behind him, and and actually in the fairway. So I think that there's some guys that are that are putting it out there. I think the biggest thing, really, that you know a lot of people don't realize is the idea on 18 is for those of of us that are either are here, you you know it on TV is obviously it's water all up the left hand side, and then it's a slight dog leg to the left. In uh, a very narrow landing area on a very challenging finishing hole, par four. On the other side of the water is a very long par five. Um, and the conversation of people hitting it into nine off the tee over the water ha- and the, the idea of having a better approach shot into 18 is. The idea has been around for a lot of years. To, to be honest, uh, the junior players, uh, Labor Day of last year, a young man actually did it both rounds and huh. made par uh in the junior players he figured he liked the angle better and he you know ripped his drive three 300 plus over the water and hit his shot in the challenge is when you have a tournament like this you have players playing in that fairway you have structures that are built that wouldn't be there in a you know the junior players and you know are on a normal day here so from the tournament standpoint, the rules committee standpoint, it's a health and safety issue. You know, you don't want to be hitting into oncoming traffic, if you will, on another hole. <laughs> and and the reverse side is it's a very, very fine line of where that ball would land uh, as it crossed the water or the hazard and how, the proximity to the end of that hospitality structure. And, you know, the rules committee got together with leadership at the tour and basically decided from a health and safety perspective, it was not a chance that anyone was willing to take. And, you know, the integrity of the whole is to play it forward. Um, and, and that is such even more so when you have competition going on and the structures built. So, you know, I think they talked to Bryson personally about it uh, as much as they talked to anybody else about it because there was a lot of clarity needed to know because it was a last minute change. Uh, and you know, everybody totally understands. Um, I think people are, you're going to see people trying to do different things as, 
as the game evolves. But in a scenario like this, um, I think all the players understood that, you know, it was it was the right thing to do from a health and safety perspective. perspective. Ryan, great stuff. Hey, before we go, we got about a minute left. I wanted to ask you, I mean, a real sad day for Canadian golf fans yesterday. Um, yeah. You know, obviously the RBC Canadian, I don't think anyone's surprised. Our borders aren't open. I don't know how you can have an international event, um, you know, mm-hmm. of that stature um, here. Um, maybe just quickly touch on that. But the good news for Canadian golf fans is the President's Cup is coming to Montreal. You're going to be involved. <laughs> Yeah, no, that is, you're right, Huss. As much as it may may not have been a surprise, I think that you know there's it's still a reminder that there's there are a lot of challenges going on in the the world we live in. Um, you know, I'll be coming home shortly after this event, and and I've got to quarantine like anybody else for 14 days. And you know, to take an entire field of 144 players and and to do that is is a challenge. So I think that you know what the as a Canadian, you want your national open and, and an event that is loved by the player. You know, RBC is an unbelievable partner. Golf Canada has just continued to grow it. Um, and, and unfortunately, just to, like I said, it's a reminder of, of where we are today. And, and I have no doubt it'll come back stronger than ever. Um, but unfortunately, just not this year. And, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking to you before a pretty big event in Montreal in a little while. Absolutely. I look forward to it. I'll have 14 days that we can catch up uh, in a few short weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring by a Boston pizza and a DQ cake for you while you have to sit down and, uh, and wait, to, wait to, to get freed. Ryan, thanks so much. Cannot wait for tee off tomorrow at the Players' Championship. It is one of the great events in the sport. Um, congratulations on everything you're doing. And thanks for joining us back here in your hometown on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks, us. And again, congrats to you and Remo to be back on air. Just, just love listening. Appreciate it, pal. We'll let talk to you soon. There is Ryan Take Hart, um, one of the uh, one of the real good guys from our sports community, and it's just been so cool. Anytime you see somebody from Winnipeg that gets, you know, an opportunity. Um, to really take his career to the next level, um, I certainly, you know, feel great about it. But I mean, for Ryan to to make his rise through the ranks of the PGA Tour. Um, you know, I think he did the Valero Texas Open a few years back, and then all of a sudden he's running the players. And this is um, <laughs> this is a huge gig for him, and the honor of being the executive director for the Presidents Cup hosted in Canada in Montreal in a few years is going to be something uh, something else. So I'm looking forward to talking about this tournament. Give you a few updates as we're uh, we get through the next couple days. Um, don't forget to get your DraftKings lineups and make any wagers. Speaking of wagers, well, we get Dave Naylor lined up to join us about this big news that he broke earlier today. Let's get to our lines of the day for CoolBet.com. Um, if you do like to throw the odd sprinkle on uh, on the odd game, do it at CoolBet.com. I've been there for geez, over 18 months. Love the odds. The most transparent sports book online. And you'll get a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit by using the Winnipeg Sports Talk code of WST. So uh, you'll be able to do that. Now, lines tonight, we've got five games in the National Hockey League. The game I'm most looking forward to outside of the Canadian division where we spend most of our time paying attention is this Vegas-Minnesota matchup. And, you know, back they, they played on Monday night. Minnesota came out on top. Vegas, a very slight favorite in this game, but this is just about a pick em. Knights, minus 105. Minnesota, minus 111. Couple games in the Canadian division. These are rematches of Monday night. 
the Ottawa Senators back at it. Big underdog against the Edmonton Oilers at plus 190. Oil laying minus 233 uh, on the line. Arizona, big dog in Colorado, plus 179. Avalanche, 217. Kings, minus 125 on the road going up against the Anaheim Ducks. And the final game of the night, and I I had to check this to make sure that this was right. The Montreal Canadiens are playing the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Habs favorite, minus 154. Canucks, plus 130. What is crazy, though, about this is that this game starts 8 p.m. in Vancouver. That's 10 o'clock here in Winnipeg. It's 11 o'clock in Montreal. you imagine being the poor post-game guy? Talk to Kevin O, see what he thinks about an 11 p.m. start. You know, finish the game around quarter to you know quarter to two, and then you're probably obligated to do another one hour post game show. Wonder what those calls would be like in Montreal at two thirty in the morning. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, anyways, all the lines up right now, CoolBet.com, and we should get. Uh, actually, we do also have Briar odds now for the evening draws um, this afternoon. Big one for. Our boy Jason Gunlicks in Manitoba, who's been at the top of the standings all week long. He's going up against Northern Ontario's Brad Jacobs. And if you like Manitoba, by the way, big underdog, plus money, plus 123. Jacobs, after that big win last night, minus 172. And the matchups this evening at the Tim Hortons Briar. Brad Gushu in Canada, massive favorite over Newfoundland and Labrador. Nova Scotia, a similarly large favorite against Nunavut. PEI going up against Maddie Dunstone, Winnipeg native, who's uh, skipping for Saskatchewan. And uh, really the feature match tonight, Kevin Cooey, who is steamrolling his opponents right now, going up against John Epping. And, you know, Dunstone in the Saskatchewan rank had only one loss going into this, this morning's draw. But it did not go well for the Winnipeg native. They got pumped. I believe the final was 9-2. to two. So a little bit of a reality check for the young Saskatchewan team. Still just two losses, though, and they are in uh, in a very, very good spot. So coming up right now, uh, by the way, you still have time. Get your Twitter handle into the chat if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll make sure to give out a um, Boston Pizza game day pack of a large pizza. 24 wings for you and the gang. And um, we'll also then get into, uh, well, giving out a DQ cake or a two. Now, we've got Dave Naylor coming up uh, in a minute. Uh, we'll see whether Remo wants to pop back in while we hope to get Dave on. Uh, lots of things going on today, and I do understand how busy Dave is. Remo, this is a story that, I mean, the minute Dave tweeted out and broke it, that the CFL and XFL were getting into formal discussions and negotiations, I think there was a lot of alarm bells amongst lovers of three-down football but I think if you look a little deeper into it, it speaks to, um, you know, sort of a bleak economic climate for the Canadian Football League and how important it is to be innovative and do whatever it takes to see this league survive and get out on the other side. As for the CFL, this is strictly, a, I think, a business decision. You know, you hope someone like The Rock can give the league more exposure. But again, they had to sit out a year. The teams are hurting financially, uh, partnering with... An American team, I think, gives you a, a greater audience than just uh, people here in Canada. We know that th- it appears to be, I and mean, people have tried to get the second U.S. league going for a while. We had the original XFL, and we had, uh, what was it, the AFL uh, recently, or what was the other, the other one that we, we bet on? 
before. There's been so many. Well, there was a lot of, you know, by the way, I mean, I don't know whether this is really applicable to the Winnipeg Sports Talk audience. We may need to do a separate pod, but uh, you know that the KBO is getting going right now, the Korean Baseball Association. And and heck, I mean, baseball season is right around the corner as well. We'll be looking forward to do that. But I mean, as far as the CFL, this is in some ways, I think if you talk to a lot of people, Rod Peterson, someone I really respect, he's been talking about this for you know, a decade or more that, you know, at some point, the long term viability of the CFL will be working in conjunction with, you know, whether it's the NFL as somewhat of a feeder league, um, you know, the, the the concept of partnering up with something like the XFL is somewhat new because, of course, it was mothballed after a couple seasons and really only came back to get nuked by the pandemic. But I mean, the key character and in this entire conversation that I think changes the game for for a lot of people in a lot of different ways is former Calgary Stampeder and WWE World Champion The Rock because Dwayne Johnson bought the XFL. And, Michael, I mean, I don't know if you agree, but I'm thinking in, in 2021, in the world we live in with social media, fame, publicity, all of that, I don't know if there's a guy literally in North America better suited to help out something like the Canadian Football League than a guy like The Rock who knows the league, who knows football, and has a vision to you know really raise the XFL to something of a prominent league in North America. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the guy is a superstar. You know, he's in movies. He's got his TV show, Young Rock. He's uh, you know massive on social media. He's posting pictures of himself doing acupuncture and cupping. On his Instagram, so uh, the exposure that that guy could bring with uh, one push of his finger on a tweet, uh, I think is uh, I think is incredible. And I think, look, we don't know what's going to happen. This is just speculation on our end what could happen, but uh, we know that they're communicating, they're collaborating, trying to explore how can they help each other um, to grow each other because they've had two kicks at the XFL. It didn't work. I mean, last year was b- pandemic related. But everyone, it was working. I will say this: yeah. I, I think the the rejigged XFL, the way they did it last year, was something that had a ton of potential. Um, I mean, you know me; we were talking about it. it. Was a fun. It was still football to watch after football season was over, but the, before the CFL started, and I paid very close close attention to some of the markets, and they were doing a good job of you know developing a fan base, um, and that's exactly what some of the teams in the Canadian Football League to do need to do. I mean, I'll tell you what, the Toronto Argonauts would have loved to have had the St. Louis Battlehawks support last year in the XFL. And I know that sounds crazy with all that history, but I mean, it's just a fact that, you know, there are some teams that have really been struggling um, and maybe some sort of a new format in addition to saving the league, which is first and foremost, mm-hmm. might reposition it in some ways and give some of the struggling teams a chance to, you know, get out of the the, the doldrums that they've been in. And I mean, for a team, for, I just think of it myself, taking away everything that I'm doing, you know, work-wise, as a Bomber fan and someone that loves football, first and foremost, whether it's three-down or four-down football, if this is something that creates a much brighter future for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I'm in for it, even if, and I don't really want to go there, but even if there are some significant changes to the way uh, things look, it might simply have to happen. Yeah, I, and I agree. I mean, we've heard that their financial situation not great. So if you do need to partner to create an even bigger league, um, you know, maybe it can work. We'll wait and see. I'm curious what the rules would be. I think that's what everyone wants to know. Well, what's the rules? How are teams going to play each other? Uh, what's the stadiums? Because 
Uh, can't, I don't think U.S. stadiums can have. Uh, they have they're not built to have the room for a CFL size field. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. And I don't think you could do like it's not like when the American League and National League play each other, and the National League has a DH. I don't think it's that easy. Would be that easy for uh, you know teams to switch back and forth uh, between the rules. So uh, look, we're just speculating. I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. And I agree. There's definitely a lot of gambling uh, potential as well as uh, me and you know from playing, uh, you know, betting on CFL and playing DraftKings. How about as well. this, Reem? How about this, Reem? So okay, so it's one big league. I know Rod Peterson was saying we'll call it the Continental Football League. So we'll still kind of have CFL in it. XFL will play south of the border. CFL will play north of the border. The CFL will, if you win the CFL, you win the Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. The XFL can win the. Uh, the SmackDown Bowl or yes, whatever it, Rock wants to call of it. Of course, yeah. And then they'll play, <laughs> and then they'll play in the what will be the WrestleMania, if you will, of of North American football. And like major leagues, I guess depending on maybe who the host team is, then that will decide whether it's four downs or three oh. downs for the game. How big the that, field is that would, in the championship? That would be crazy. But it seems like they're doing they're doing regular season games. I'm just excited about now you got the Rock involved. If there's a SmackDown Bowl or like. Know your role, Boulevard Division. The I don't know, Jabroni of the week. Are we going to be getting into <laughs> into all that? Oh, I'm in. I'm in on that, man. We're getting some hilarious texts or uh, uh, um, comments. That's what they're called in our YouTube chat here. Um, the Captain Murray Rempel has said, "Bring back the Vegas Posse anthem singer." Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the maybe the low moment all time in the singing of O Canada back. Um, Ezzy Ginsberg, and this is okay. I'm glad he brought this up. Who will be the he hate me of the CFL mm-hmm. slash XFL? Um, I if one of the changes that they make to uh, a CFL XFL merger is that we can have nicknames on the back of jerseys. Um, I, certainly, this side of Winnipeg Sports Talk firmly all in on that. Um, David Asplund says the rock is my old mates, old roommates, third or fourth cousin. Well, give him a buzz. See if you can got some, get some info yeah. on what's going on here. Um, <laughs> Roger Quinnell, wasn't there a USFL at one time? Yes, of course. That yeah. was, uh, that was another thing that Donald Trump put his golden touch on. If you recall, um, it didn't end well. They did a big lawsuit, spent millions and millions of dollars, won the lawsuit and was awarded $1. And that was the end of the league. Um, oh, the Godfather, Mitch Kasprick. The USFL was a good and was good and was star-studded. It was. Every other league has been garbage. All caps. Stay away. Well, Mitch, uh, I mean, I, I I don't like the way you're besmirching the XFL as an XFL guy uh, over the year. But needless to say, I'm CFL first. But I just think that this sort of arrangement. You know, might be something that, you know, that really needs to happen. Um, let, let's let join a league that can't survive. Well, but Split, they, listen, they've got the rock behind them. I think they've got uh, ownership that is the envy, certainly, of what we've got in the Canadian Football League right now. Um, a, a huge opportunity for more revenue in the United States. And the fact of the matter is, right now, I think the Canadian Football League is in a situation that um, you know that they need to need to consider things that before might have been an absolute non-starter. <laughs> Dan Milburn, they could just play a half of each rules. That might uh, that might be difficult. Oh, and Ezzy Ginsberg of Illegal Curve. Shout out to the IC boys. 
by the way, if you had missed it, um, they did not even miss a beat after the nuke to 1290. IllegalCurve.com, they're doing their show Saturday mornings as always. And got to give a, a hat tip to Dave Manuke of Illegal Curve, who um, covers the Moose and the Jets as well as anyone in the city. Um, they're doing a great job. So, yes, we will look forward to Ezzy calling Drew a jabroni both on the show on Mondays as well as uh, as here. Uh, Gregory Lynn's here. <laughs> Mike Wynn is here. Classic. Um, and then Dan Mildred said, and this, I, I, I'm 100% on board with this. How fun would a road trip to Vegas or San Diego to watch the big boo play? I, you know, I checked in on Rod earlier today, and there was a number of Ryder fans saying that exact same thing. The other thing that I think could be a real positive for the CFL, um, and listen, part of the reason why I became a Chiefs fan 20, 25 years ago was going to Arrowhead Stadium and being a part of the, the the tailgate, the atmosphere around the game. What a big event it was and just how much fun. I know that there's probably 10, 20,000 people that go out and tailgate for the games that don't end up going to it. So um, I think Wade Miller a lot of credit for the way they've sort of moved in that direction here in Winnipeg um, and made the game day experience, I think, much better. And to be honest, more fan-friendly, giving more people those opportunities to do things that I think can make other fans. So, I mean, if that is if that is a direction that we go to as well, um, I think we'll be uh, we'll be in, in very very good shape. But we've got to get to that point first. All right, the man of the day can't thank him enough for joining us. Um, he must be about as busy a guy <laughs> there is right now in the TSN family. It's our pal Nails himself, Dave Naylor. Dave, um, we'll look in a second first. Off. It's great to talk to you again, and thanks so much for joining us back here in the Peg. Hey, it's great to be with you, Hustler. Very happy for your new venture, and great to be on the show. Um, it was, uh, you know, obviously been following all the events of, of that have gone on in the last little while with your your health and your career, and here you are, right, right back in the saddle, man. So, congratulations. Well, I appreciate it. I couldn't um, couldn't have done it without the incredible support of the people here in Winnipeg. The response is just, uh, frankly, blown Remus and I away, um, awesome. and uh, we're thankful for it. And it gives us the opportunity to do things like this, talking to you about breaking news with, I mean, a report that uh, you know has, I mean, it's earth shattering in a lot of ways because I think when you think about what this could mean, not necessarily will mean. Almost everything is on the table. Uh, tell us about finding out about this and what we know about the formal talks between the CFL and the XFL. Well, the first thing I got to do is dig through my emails from a month ago because somebody sent me a, have you heard this kind of, you know, anonymous tip on this from somebody and I couldn't get anything on it. And uh, I don't know, I don't know who it was that sent it to me, but I need to send, and I don't know if they knew anything or were just asking, you know, it's, and, and it's, it's, um, but uh, in terms of learning about it, you know, very recently there was some buzz going on in the CFL. You know, somebody reached out to me and said, I hear there's an announcement coming. And we knew that it was not very well uh, understood at the football operations level, like GMs, coaches, assistant GMs, that kind of thing. And whenever those kinds of announcements come out, they're usually related to a bigger picture business direction. And so it kind of but I didn't know this was coming uh, until this morning. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not shocked. I got to say, I, I hadn't really I have always wondered whether the Canadian Football League needed an equity partner to make this work. Uh, the XFL has obviously been tossed out, uh, hadn't done much legwork other than, you know, a few inquiries on this kind of thing. So but I, I agree with you. Like, I, I don't think we can get ahead of ourselves on this one, but we're going to speculate. 
Like we have to. And th- th- just to be clear here, Hustler, this is not the two leagues deciding to talk. This is the two leagues deciding to formalize talks. They've been talking for months. So it's not like, hey, we don't know these guys and we're just telling everybody we're going to go over for coffee and break bread and see what sticks to the wall. No, no. They've done that. This is formal talks. And formal talks is like where you put the sandwich together, I believe. Now, what, um, like what, what's in it for the CFL and what would be in it for the XFL? I mean, what are the two sides? What do they see in each other that might make um, some sort of partnership, however that works, mutually beneficial? I think in the CFL, the league sees credibility, it sees history, it sees tradition, it sees stability, you know, in terms of football, and it sees also some of the outreach that Randy Ambrosi has done through CFL 2.0, having the other federations um, and, you know, trying to turn this into more of a global game. The CFL, I think, sees tapping into U.S. television money, tapping into the capitalization of Redbird, which is the company that's behind uh, Dwayne Johnson in this venture, looking at uh, the CFL wanting to make this a global game, as we know. Uh, what are the two businesses Dwayne Johnson's been in? Uh, wrestling and motion pictures. Those are global businesses. So the companies that he has behind him that have made him successful in those, uh, you know, reach everywhere. Uh, and I think they both know that uh, the XFL, an eight-team league, yeah, the CFL, a nine-team league, one of the biggest things we hear, nine teams, right? playing all the same teams. So you could put it together, have a bigger league. Uh, I think the synergies are, are, you know, relatively obvious on the surface. Now, whether they turn into anything is, is, and there's some certainly, we're going to get to some questions, I'm sure very quickly about, you know, what a, anything that looks like a merger of these two would look like. Cause there's a couple of, uh, well, rather, rather obvious obstacles to that <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. Um, um, you know, the rules of course are one of them. And, you know, I'll give, I think it was Rod or Darren. I was tuning into to Rod Peterson's show earlier because I knew those guys would be all over it. They kind of were going on the air mm-hmm. just as this sort of dropped. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been Darren joking around that, you know, you could have, you know, the CFL play and then the XFL play and you'd have the championship game. And like in baseball with the DH rule, just figure out where the game is played and played with that size field. I doubt that would be the case. But um, do you... There's a lot of people, there's a big pushback. Well, this is going to be the loss of Canadian football. I mean, if they don't go to, I mean, if they move from three downs, um, if they go to a standard U.S.-sized field, that changes the Canadianity, if if that's a word, of of the CFL. Um, Just thought the fact that that's even being discussed, I think, speaks to the incredibly desperate business environment that you know the league is in right now and all the teams are trying to trying to at least be there on the other side when this is over look i i like three down football okay i i I love three down football i love having one league that plays four down and one that has three okay but a couple of things have occurred to me uh about over the last you know several years one is the difference between three down football and four down football is smaller today than it's ever been I mean, if we were having this conversation in 1983, I mean, NFL running backs are getting 36 carries a game. You know, the, the passing is a is a secondary part of the game. The rules are not, you know, adjusted for that. The, C, the, the, the NFL game today looks more like the CFL than we've ever seen. So, you know, we aren't talking about one league that's three yards in a cloud of dust and the other one that's wide open. The second thing is... One of the things that happened this year when the CFL wasn't playing is the league ran a lot of these Zoom calls with 
Canadians that are playing NCAA football. You know, not just the biggest names, but guys you might not know of, but they're at decent schools or mid-majors or whatever. And I started going on these calls and asking them about growing up watching football. None of these guys watched the CFL. <laughs> like, like not one, you know. Um, I shouldn't say that blankly, but, but most of them do not identify with three-down football. And it made me thinking that if we're really trying in this forever quest to reach the next generation of fans, are we using the wrong game? Because people, kids learn the NFL at six, seven years old, and then somebody shows them the CFL. And the fact that it's a different game is not appealing to them. The 65-year-old fan loves that. But I'm not sure the 12-year-old fan does. So those are a couple of things that, that I've thought about. Again, all that said, I would rather have three-down football. But part of the conversation here, and we will never know the extent of, of economic you know, crisis the CFL is under, but at what price are you protecting your rules? Are you protecting your rules to have a 16 league if three teams aren't going to play next year? Like you have to be able to sell some vision to the owners in this league that, that, it, that shows it's, that it's sustainable. And I'm not sure that if you came back at the end of this year and said, guys, we're just going to cut and cut and we're going to have a smaller league and we're going to play three down football and we're not going to be able to pay people what we used to, but we're going to protect our rules. Is that better than than trying to find a business model that works and adapting your rules? And some things you could keep, right? The motion you could keep, the yard off the ball you could keep, uh, bigger end zones you could keep. Could you keep the bigger field? Might be tough in some of the U.S. stadiums. It's not designed for that. And obviously, you're going to have to make a choice between three and four downs. But um, look, I'm 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 a traditionalist on the three down game. I love it. Uh, if you could incorporate some elements of Canadian football into the game, but it was four downs, I could live with it. Dave Naylor with us with us from TSN, who broke the news today on the formal discussions between the CFL and the XFL going forward. Dave, I I don't know about you. I know a lot of people in in our chat here, people that I've been talking around. We're you know, we wanted to get vaccines. We want to get back out. We want to get back to normal. And a, the, one of the biggest part of the, parts of that here in Winnipeg is getting back to IG Field, raising that damn banner that we waited so long for, um, and having a great time seeing the Bombers take the field again. Um, what can you tell us about the 2021 CFL season? And do we take anything from what we've learned today as to what that might mean for 2021 here north of the border? You know, I, I wondered about that this morning. I did a hit with Rod Smith where I said, like, I, I don't know. Like, if you came up with an announcement in six weeks that says we're, we're launching a new league in April of 2022, why would the owners of this league want to play one more CFL season that's going to lose a ton of money? Or do you just pour all your resources and focus on 2022 and the new venture? Um, I, I think from what I've seen, I've seen comments from Bob Young, whose team, of course, is the host of the Grey Cup this year. I've seen comments from Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, uh, both of them steadfast that the league's focus remains on 2021. John Huffnagel came out and said the same thing. So I, I think there is going to be a 2021 season. It might be a kind of weird 2021 season if they announce about the 1st of July that they're merging with the XFL in 2022. Uh, I guess it might be like one last go round here on, on you know, the nine team three down league. I, I don't know. But I, I, I don't believe that the or I'm certainly everything by the based on the comments I've seen today. I, I don't believe that this venture, you know, jeopardizes the 2021 season, that that that, we, that these things are on parallel tracks. Um, but, um, but it is, 
an unusual dynamic because we've now really got two tracks to follow. You know, where are the conversations with the CFL and the XFL and where are they going to arrive at? And, you know, when are we going to start the 2021 season? But it's, I mean, this absolutely affects everybody's thinking about the future, obviously. Dave, uh, another huge part of Canadian football and the identity of the CFL is Canadian players. Um, And I realize this is so early and I think, I mean, I'm basically asking you to speculate here, but um, the future of Canadian players in the CFL, a ratio rule. Uh, do you have any sense as to whether that would be maintained even on CFL teams? And of course, we saw before when the league went into the States, it was an unbalanced playing field. We all remember that Baltimore Stallions team. But uh, uh, just thoughts on the Canadian players' future in the CFL based on this announcement. I cannot imagine a fully integrated league where there are 20 Canadians on every team and seven starters mandated. Uh, I know the league survived that for a couple of years in the, the last era. Um, of course, that was Canadian rules, which gave the Canadian players an exam- an advantage. Also, the fact that every U.S. team hired a former NFL or former uh, USFL coach, except Baltimore, gave them an advantage. So they had an advantage on the sidelines and they had the advantage in the strategy of the game. Um, I, I think that was going to become an issue very quickly had the U.S. expansion teams not folded at the end of the 95 season. Um you know, and, and and frankly, the economics improve for the owners if you don't have a ratio. That Canadian offensive lineman that you pay two hundred and twenty-five thousand to, you can replace for seventy-five thousand dollars with an American. You know, like that's the 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 because of the 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 laws of economics, supply and demand. Canadian players cost you more. So if you're looking to adjust your economics to be viable in a post-COVID universe, it's a lot easier to field a team with mostly Americans than it is with a ratio just from an economic standpoint. Um, and look, I, I think that you could have a developmental element. You may have some spots on the roster for Canadians, but I couldn't see the full thing. And again, I'll, I'll just throw a bit of a counterintuitive thing, okay? The CFL ratio comes from an era before you and I were born when Canadians could not realistically compete with Americans in football. If you did not have a ratio, you were not going to have Canadians on the field. Now, they still dwarf us in terms of numbers, but... Let's just talk about what's happening on the other side of the border right now. There's Canadians in the NFL. There's Canadians in college football. I mean, there's an SEC football game between Tennessee and Alabama this year that had two starting receivers, not just from Canada, from the same town, from the same, (laughs) like from the Brampton Minor Football Association, like an SEC showdown. So if Canadians can compete on that side of the border, why can't they compete on this side of the border? Well, the answer is they can And I guess the question would be, in what numbers can they? Can they 20 per team? No. You know, can they in smaller numbers? I think legitimately so. I I, I think to some degree, you could argue the ratio is is a bit outdated in that in that sense. Um, But I know there are people that love to see, you know, Canadians on the field. And it's a very important game. And they feel they feel like it's important for the development of the sport. Look, if you like seeing Canadians on the field, I can't tell you that's not important to you, right? That's important to you. But here's the argument we're going to hear, okay, Hustler? If you get rid of the ratio, grassroots football in this country will die. Kids will stop playing it because they have nothing to dream for. Okay, let's destroy that myth right now. Ready? Where's the ratio in the NBA and the NCAA basketball? Doesn't exist. Not one. Not one. Where is it in baseball? 
Not one. Where is it in NCAA football? Where, where it, that, all these leagues where it doesn't exist, Canadians are aspiring to get to. And I'll go back to what I said earlier, but all these Canadians in the NCAA, none of them, no, I've never heard, ever heard an elite Canadian football player tell me he started playing the game because he knew there was a ratio in the CFL and he could get on one of those ratios. I have never heard that. Like Maybe there are guys, but when I'm talking to you know, whether it's Chuba Hubbard or a Joe, a Joe or Josh Palmer or Eamon Ogbamiga. And I just named off like four of the most elite guys in college football right now who are, some of them are upcoming to the NFL draft. None of those guys will tell you that the CFL and its ratio had anything to do with their football dreams. Now, if they don't make it in the NFL or college football, they'll gladly wrap their arms around the flag in the three-down game and do like other players have done. But, heck, Hustler, I've known guys who won most outstanding Canadian in this league who told me they never watched three-down football until they played in the league. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's true. And it, and it speaks to kind of the ups and downs of the CFL over the course of the last 30 years. I mean, even in, in my lifetime as a football fan, there's been some times where it seems like the CFL has been has had momentum. And then there's been other drastic times where it seems like they've been in, in real dire straits. Dave, I know how busy you are today. Uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us. Just one final question on the way out. Um, I know you're going to be digging on this 24-7 for the foreseeable future. But what is next? What do we expect to hear? Will there be some sort of an announcement? Is there a time frame on maybe updating people? Do you know anything about just the process? I was uh, my my colleague at TSN, Rod Smith, did an interview with the commissioner of the, of the league about an hour ago. And when I was sending him questions to ask him, I, uh, one of those I sent was, what do they envision for a timeline for these talks? You know, are we talking weeks, months, years? Like, what is it? Um, I would imagine because I think the XFL wants to play in 2022. By the way, the most tangible thing that's come out today is the XFL hitting pause on its 22 season, 2022 season. Like that tells you this is serious. Okay. So, so they've, they've basically told all their partners, we've hit the pause button because, you know, we may not be coming back to you with eight teams. We may be coming back to you with more than eight teams, I think is what they're saying. So, um, I, I guess it's really what's next is we wait to see what emerges from these talks. We wait for a news conference in July where the leagues announce that they're going to play separate leagues but have interlocking games or they're going to have – there's a merger. There's – I don't know. But that's what I think is next. Dave, you know, you know, great to catch up with you anytime, but especially today. We really appreciate you jumping on Winnipeg Sports Talk daily with us and look forward to uh, catching up with you very soon with more – information on what really will boil down to the future of the Canadian Football League. It was great to catch up. Thanks so much for the time. My pleasure, Hustler. Thanks for having me on. Congratulations on the show. Hey, appreciate it, Dave. Appreciate it. There he is. Our pal Nails coming through today for the boys in the peg. Great to get um, Dave on the program today. Well, it has been a wild one, and uh, we've gone a little long. Let's bring it. We have to to finish this all up. Um, Remo's been doing a great job of kind of managing uh, some schedules with some of our guests to pack it all in, but starting it off with Mike to talk Jets, then swapping Ryan and, of course, getting Dave and, you know, still working through how we're getting all these people on. But, uh, Remo, it's been a pretty wild hour plus um, talking about this CFL news and, of course, a big uh, big win for the Jets last night. Yeah, wow. You know, we, we talked about the Jets in the first half, spent a lot of time in the second half of the show getting to the CFL-XFL partnership, which uh, could be very exciting. 
So yeah, no, we did have to juggle some guests. So we're, we're learning a lot of new things about how this uh, new show works. But if uh, we do need to juggle guests, uh, we can we can definitely do that. And uh, it has been awesome to see everyone in chat. We've had about uh, 400 people uh, the entire time. So again, if you are in chat, thank you so much. Uh, keep uh, you know keep up the positive feedback. Make sure you're hitting that like button as well and uh, subscribe to the channel. We are here Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. Central Time. Absolutely. You know, interesting. I'll shout out to Elvis Torres. Elvis is watching us today from Cleveland, Ohio, and said, totally would love to see the leagues merge. Bombers versus Defenders. Let's go. Um, You know, uh, Space Explorer says, adapt or die. Um, And then Scott Budzinski with the number of uh, of comments, not very supportive of it. Let the CFL die with some dignity. Steve Ross, CXFL is the future. It'll bring in new fans. Huge gambling component, I bet. And and, uh, Mike Watson um, says, why would partnering with the league that's never crowned a champion be what saves a league that's crowned a champion over 100 times? Unfortunately, Mike, I mean, it sucks that we have to even consider that right now. Um, but it's pretty clear that the uh, the business model of the CFL hasn't been working. And we're now in a situation that, you know, in the midst of a global pandemic, there's real questions as to how they can even afford to play this year. They couldn't last year. And coming out on the other side, what needs to change to actually keep football in our stadiums going forward? And um, it will be, um, you know, it, it would be a shame to lose some of the Canadianity of this league. But I'll tell you what, I'll take that as opposed to empty stadiums and no CFL. And if they're if they're going down this road, I have to think that this is not like their first choice. It's something that unfortunately needs to happen. Um, Jack Bauer comes in. Lawless was right. Those are better glasses, Huss. Yeah. You know, in the chat, these I don't have the other ones there. And I know a lot of people say they're Kurt Rambis. Um, you know, squash goggles. These are the reading goggles or goggles, glasses, I guess they're called. Now that I'm glasses guy, I should be able to to call them the other uh, proper thing. Um, I can't really wear these out elsewhere because, you know, everything looks funny. I've got the, um, I think they're called progressives where they kind of go up and down. I don't know. I'm learning much like we're learning how to put this damn show on the air for you every day. Learning a lot about uh, the glasses as well. But um, yes, I, feel free to give me shots about the eyewear. Um, I'll mix them up back and forth and you all can be the judge. Um, you, hey, you look Jets a lot ba- smarter. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, in glasses. You know what? That's, I really, you know, with this new change in careers moving to, to this, you know, I figured that, mm. you know, we may wear hoodies and hats and just regularly be ourselves. But, you know, you just got to put a pair of frames on and the, uh, the intellectual level goes up two or three times. Yeah, I was going to say your IQ percentage automatically increases like, what, 10% when you put those glasses on? Uh, Folks, hey, uh, if you haven't already, if you come in late, put your Twitter uh, handle in the chat. We've got a Boston Pizza uh, game night dinner giveaway, large pizza, 24 wings. And we'll also have a couple of DQ cakes from our friends over the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Um, Speaking of that, Reem, uh, we should give a uh, happy birthday to your lovely wife, um, and I guess you probably have a thanks to to Big Nick, as do I, because uh, he popped by some of the goods just in time for you to be a birthday hero tonight for your wife. Yeah, Nick was DMing me on Instagram uh, yesterday. He was, like, begging me. He's like, I'll drop off anything you want. What do you want? It's I hear there's a birthday, and, yeah, it's my wife's birthday today, so happy birthday uh, to her. But Nick dropped off. Uh, we got some treats of pizza, uh, dilly bar, fudge thing. 
He even dropped off like vegan ones that are non-dairy uh, for those who, who like that. So I'm actually, I actually want to try those. I'm curious. So I think I, I'm actually stocked up, not just for my wife's birthday today, but for the entire summer. So has, uh, uh, big has thank little, you. Has, has, has little Evan developed the ice cream uh, Jones yet? Um, I he think, will be soon I think if, we, uh, if he hasn't already. Yeah, I think we gave him some recently. He's 19 months old. I know we gave him a donut, and like we gave it to him. His eyes left. He's like, more, more. So I think, I think we gave him a lick of ice cream last week. So maybe we'll try some tonight, and uh, I'll record. He did. I got to say, he is maybe the youngest fan of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, he says, uh, hustler and daddy. And then when when I'm not on the screen, he says more daddy. So, well, you know what? I love that. And I tell you what, when uh, the picks dry up, we'll uh, have to figure out a way to get Evan to make a pick for us uh, on uh, maybe the cool wet line sometime. But uh, anyways, happy birthday to Leah. That is awesome. Um, We'll tweet out our winners a little bit later on or announce them on the show tomorrow. Uh, But thanks to everyone who popped by. I can tell you. Tomorrow's a big show. We're going to check in on what's happening with the Briar. Our good friend Ted Wyman is going to join the program. We'll get ready for game two. Jets Leafs in this three-game series with the one and only Mr. Weeb's world himself, Ken Weeb. And on Friday, really looking forward to this, Jeff Hamilton was already scheduled to join us. We were going to get into, you know, obviously... Lots of Jets talk and maybe a look ahead to the Blue Bomber season. You know Hammer's going to be all over the CFL story. So we'll have more on the future of the league and what's happening with Jeff Hamilton on Friday. And our old pal Ryan Brandt, who Remo and I used to have very fun times joining in on a little three-man roundtable on the warm-up. We'll bring RB in. Congratulations to Ryan. He's uh, going over to CJOB. Very talented young man. So we're looking forward to having him on the program before he gets back at it in the real world um well i think that's going to do it for us today because we want to get these podcasts loaded up so people get them in their inbox at three o'clock again folks if you're on youtube hit that like button make sure you get your twitter feed in there so we've got you entered in the draw and if you are thinking about listening later on the podcast all our podcast links are on our social media tags at sports talk wpg or you can just check the website at winnipegsports.com. Thanks again to our sponsors, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, and Boston Pizza Winnipeg. For Michael Remus and our guests, Dave Naylor, Ryan Hart, and Mike McIntyre, that's going to do it for us, Remo. And uh, great show again. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow at 1 p.m. with everyone in our packed chat on the YouTube channel. Yeah, so pumped for tomorrow's show already. And again, if you're not, all of our social channels are in the description of this YouTube video. So follow us. We're on everything. And uh, make sure you like this video and hit subscribe as well. Would be a huge help. And we do appreciate everyone uh, who's been in chat today. We see all, all those, uh, those messages from a lot of familiar names. So thank you so much, everyone. You guys are great. And I will tell everyone we're, you know, we're getting the great feedback. I mean, we are, uh, this is just, I mean, we're three shows in, we're going to keep growing. Um, I think the plan as we go forward at some point over the next little while is to add more content, potentially not even involving us with some of the, some other talented people. Um, so we're definitely looking to grow. I know you can't get enough right now, but we really appreciate the support spreading the word and everything you've done. So with that, for all of our guests, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson. Thank you for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll see you back here tomorrow live. 
live on YouTube at 1 p.m. and in your podcast feeds by 3 o'clock. Thanks for the support. Tomorrow we get ready for Game 2, Jets-Leafs in Toronto. Have a great afternoon, everybody, and thanks for being with us.